Welcome to The Mindful Apprentice, brought to you by Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. In this podcast series, we want to share stories and information to help everyone make the apprenticeship a success, whether you're an employer or the apprentice. We've interviewed a wide range of apprentices, employers, specialists, charities and clinicians to make this series. Wherever you're listening, we hope you'll find it helpful. Hello, I'm Dominic Arkwright. In this programme, an introduction to nine more techniques you might find useful to help with stress and anxiety. They really are just introductions, but there's good information about all of them online. Again, the trick is to find the ones that work for you. Our guides will be Julie de Groot, Clinical Governance Lead for Occupational Health with Cornwall Council, and Julia Wildfire-Roberts from the mental health charity Pendreath. First, something called grounding. So a grounding activity, it's like a mindful exercise. Again, it can be done anywhere, anytime, and it goes on the principles of five. So you're recognising that you're starting to feel anxious and stressed and you want to kind of reconnect to yourself again to take that time. And it it can be like, you know, five things I can see, not just like looking at them, but saying, I can see leaves on the tree, I can see the tree trunk, I can see that building, I can see this screen, I can see you, you know, and then I could do four things that I could smell. You know, see, right, I can smell my perfume, I can smell like the shampoo that I've used, I can smell the green, the greenery, you know, so you're going down using your senses as anchors, as things that are grounding you to where you are in the here and now. It could be three things that I can hear. So I can hear cars, I can hear people talking, I can hear somebody drilling over there. Um, and it could be two things that I can taste, you know, um, so I could like taste my toothpaste, I can taste that I had like mint tea a little bit earlier. And it could be like one thing I can feel, so I can feel that I'm sitting on a chair. Now you would, you'd adjust that for whatever situation you're in. It might be that you only need to do three. It might be that you're feeling it at night and it's dark and you're in your room. So you wouldn't necessarily say five things I can see because it's dark, but you might be able to say five things I can hear because you're much more likely to hear lots of things at night than like in the daytime, in the distance and stuff. And what it does is it really fine tunes you to Um, to be connected to your senses and to be bringing yourself back into the here and now and out of this anxious brain living up here going round and round in circles. And here's another tactic a lot of people find useful, progressive muscle relaxation. So progressive muscle relaxation is something that can be used anywhere but you know ideally I would say lying down in a comfortable place where you feel safe and it's quiet and you're not going to be disturbed and it's about working through all different parts of the muscle groupings in your body and tensing them holding the tense for you know maybe 10 seconds whatever suits people have different sort of levels that they will use and then gently relaxing it so isolating certain muscle groups tensing holding and then gently relaxing but working you can work bottom bottom up or you can work top down I would always go um, from toes upwards um, and you find by the time you get to your head you often feel like because you've done all the huge muscles and they're the ones that hold a lot of the the adrenaline and the cortisol because they're the they're the fight and flight muscles so if you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious in that way then that what that can do is it just kind of gives you a chance to to release but you are exercising those muscles but what you're doing it is almost mindful in it 
in its whole entirety because you are having to concentrate on that muscle and the releasing of that muscle without being distracted by you know anything else that's going on around you and it takes concentration like I said your brain finds it really really hard to think I'm really worried about this now tense the muscle let go of the muscle it can't do those two things at once so you really have to focus your notice on what you're doing so by the time you get to your head the likelihood is that you'll feel much more relaxed and much more kind of at peace and calm. So the keys are to find a place you won't be interrupted, close your eyes and focus on your breathing. Again, more online if you search progressive muscle relaxation. The next one is called body scanning. The key one is body scanning exercise, which is a 40 minute breathing exercise. And you lie on your bed and imagine some, some of them talk about your breath going through you. Metaphorically, I think that's quite difficult. So I talk, encourage people to think about their breath passing close over their body. So you imagine as though you're breathing from your toes and your breath passing close over your body. One long breath in and then out again. And the middle of your feet, one long breath in and out again. And you keep doing this. And every time your thoughts come crashing in, you think, I'm not going to think that now. I'm going back to the breathing. I'm not going to think that now. I'm going back to the breathing. Don't get irritated, don't get cross. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks to keep practicing, keep practicing. And what you're doing in its best sense when you learn how to do it is you can get your head into this empty head space and see colors. And that is the first level of meditation when your head, you can get your head into that space. And if you can get, at times when I've been good at it, I can sometimes just key into that in the morning and what we know is that meditation can really help reset our minds, helps us be more productive, helps us be calm. And the principle of learning it is just as important as the goal. So it can take 40 minutes, but it doesn't have to. Here the key is to get comfortable and breathe while focusing your attention on each part of your body. Search body scanning for more information online. Now something called tapping or EFT. That's a technique filmmaker Sam Oti finds helpful. When I started my emotional therapy, uh, the therapist brought forward uh, this uh, technique of tapping. And it basically uses your meridian points, which are around your body, on your face, your chest, your arms, um, which is a very, very similar technique to acupuncture. It releases pressure and stress and anxiety from your body. I thought it was totally daft, to be totally honest with you. But after working with her for a couple of weeks, it's an absolutely, it's crazy how it works. Um, and it uses these pressure points on your body to just allow that stress and anxiety to just move through. And after about 10 minutes of tapping in a morning, if you're feeling anxious, it totally disappears. So that's tapping. You can search for that or EFT, which stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. Now, the next few tactics are more about tracking your mood. Again, our guides are Julie de Groot and Julia Wildfire-Roberts. First, keeping a positive diary. A positive diary, thinking about three positive things you've achieved at the end of the day, and I would encourage it at the beginning of the day as well. So they can be very simple things like going on a walk, noticing lovely trees, beautiful plants. It could be seeing your dog first thing in the morning or your children. It could be having a nice breakfast. It could be having a nice chat with somebody in a shop. Positive things come from everything. The, I made a great cup of tea today. You know, I scored a perfect score on my Wii game. You know, it can be anything because we all get pleasure from different things and it doesn't need to be enormous, but recognising the simple, small joys of life. 
It can be very small things, but writing things down can be very helpful and helps us think about what we have in the day that is positive as well as um, because our tendency, our tendency, we're programmed ever since we ever since we evolved to go to the negative. A positive diary can help build a habit of recognising strengths and feeling positive. You could also keep a mood diary. That's helped Sam Oti. There's so many different coping techniques and ways to sort of just track how you're feeling. So I often track um, how I'm feeling each day. So I would, whether that's on one of these apps or not, I would I would put after a meditation or a, or a mindfulness sort of um, technique and session in the morning, I would put down how I'm feeling that morning. So it kind of gives a good track and understanding of how I'm feeling as the weeks go by. So sometimes it could be good, it could be bad, but it allows you to almost see if there's any trends for what's causing these feelings. So a mood diary can help you understand how and why events affect you and help you work through your worries that way. Journaling is similar. It's based on the idea that keeping a record of your thoughts and feelings can improve your mental health. Journaling is a really great way of separating out fact and fiction for a start. Um, we have had various examples of journaling done by our students at Recovery College over the time we've been open. One person would just use three different coloured pens in the book and just mark. So grey was not, not a good day, blue was okay and gold was a great day. Because if you're experiencing long periods of mental ill health, you know, your mental ill health tells fibs. It tells you nobody likes you. It tells you that all your days are bad. It tells you there's no hope. It tells you all kinds of things that are untrue. But that is your physical evidence that, you know, there have been five blue days, six um, grey days, but actually the rest were gold. So, you know, the dark days feel really dark and they will tell you that they will always be like this. But, you know, journaling can really give you the opportunity to challenge those unhelpful thoughts and challenge that negative thinking. But it's there in black and white. You could also think about something called a worry chart. The key things about a worry chart are, um, there's lots on the internet, a worry chart. Is it worry that's in my realm of control? Is it worry I can do something about? That worry that I feel... I can immediately think of something I could do about it. Is it worry that needs to sit with you for a while? Is it something we can do something about? You know, changes in companies, if they're restructuring, for example, you might not be able to do anything about strategy, but you can do things about your own position, inform yourself about what you might do, um, find out the greatest information, go on training courses. So what, what is it you can do something about? Um, so that's a worry chart, and a worry chart can be very helpful because it helps you order things rather than being a jumble, um, and that helps quite a lot of people. And finally, chartered occupational psychologist Emily Hutchinson recommends a tool called the Wheel of Life to help you find balance in your life and work out which areas most need improving. A Wheel of Life, which is a common coaching tool, and I've kind of modified it into a Wheel of Wellbeing, which is about actually reflecting on different areas of your life and thinking about how satisfied you are with them and actually what you can do to feel a bit better in all of those areas. So there's something about creating a balanced life. Quite often, you know, we get to a point where we're putting all our investment into work or we're putting all our investment into our family or whatever it is. And actually, we're not getting re-energised because we're too invested in one area. So the idea of a wheel of life or a wheel of well-being is basically thinking about what am I doing in my work, what am I doing with my family, what am I doing with fitness, what am I doing with getting outside and being in nature, which we know improves well-being, 
what am I doing with taking time to relax and um, you know practicing mindfulness or some of those kind of techniques that could help what am I doing with my community how are my finances because that can also be a stressor for people do I need to be doing anything there so rather than almost kind of all this happening without you being in control of it. There's something about taking back control, which is really important for people when they're recovering from kind of anxiety or a, a position of being stressed. Emily Hutchinson. So a lot of techniques to think about there, and you may find one or more that help you. There's a lot of information about all of them online, including from the NHS. Next time, how what you eat and what you do can improve your mental health. Until then... I'm Dominic Arkwright. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Mindful Apprentice. We hope you found something in it which was helpful to you or perhaps a colleague or friend, whether you're a new starter or a seasoned professional. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in the podcast or want to find out more about organisations which can provide help and support, go to sawiot.ac.uk forward slash The Mindful Apprentice. <laughs>